We're here with Jocelyn Lee, who is one of the six photographers whose work is featured in Feature Photography, an installation of uh, six extraordinary uh, portrait photographers here at the Portrait Gallery. And um, I think the first question for Jocelyn is really um, uh, to talk about your first encounter with photography. Uh, were you a photographer or anyone in your family a photographer as a, as a young girl? No, I, I started photography seriously when I was a senior in high school. There was a photography class that was offered, and I took it and was immediately um, just overcome by it. I never left the darkroom, and I sort of feel like photography found me. Um, I really didn't look back. What was it about... Uh, photography as opposed to other artistic mediums uh, that really attracted your uh, interest? I think the thing about photography that's so interesting that's different from other disciplines, other um, ways of making art, is that photography is this, this intersection between the world and yourself. So there was a way in which I could be contemplating or thinking about the world, but also commenting on it at the same time. So there's this wonderful coming together. It wasn't like I was alone in a studio drawing or painting. I could go out into the world and think about the world and question the world. Um, you know, and then and then form some kind of opinion about the world while still letting the world represent itself in some way through the photographs. Was there a particular subject that uh, you focused your camera on in, in those early years? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I start from a, really at the beginning I photographed my family. I mean, I've always thought about photography as a way of making sense of the world and slowing things down so that I can think about them, that, that things move so quickly in our day-to-day lives, and photography gave me the opportunity to just stop and to think. So I'd photo- I mostly photographed my family, um, photographed friends, would do these sort of surreal narratives with friends, um, dress up sequences and things like that. I was very young, you know, it was just the beginning of it. Um, but it really, it completely captured my imagination. Um, and I ended up, uh, ended up majoring in philosophy and, and studio art when I went to college. Were there particular photographers whose work you were looking at and that you thought was um, important for the kind of work that you wanted to do? Um, I think the original attraction to it was definitely uh, this idea of, of being able to slow the world down and think about things and as a kind of form of, of uh, contemplation. But once I started to look at the history of photography, I just fell in love with it in a whole other way. I mean, I, I, I love Arbus, I love August Sonder, um, I, you know, primarily portrait photographers. Um, I love Emma Gowan, um, I love Lartigue. I also would collect um, family photographs from antique stores and thrift stores that had sort of been a bit like abandoned estate photographs and just study them like vernacular photographs because I think they're incredible in their own right, like sort of the mistakes that happen, um, 
with shadows and, you know, amateur photography. I just love the medium of photography and looking at the way people are represented in them and how we try to represent ourselves in the photograph. Um, so really everything about the medium was rich to me. Um, and I happened to have two really passionate professors early on. I mean, one was Tom Roma, who, you know, he was one of those people who, um, I think photography found him. It's not easy to be a photographer, it, it, you know. And if you do, if you if you decide to do it, um, you know, it's 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 a life commitment that uh, it, there are a lot of challenges connected to it. Did you think uh, about portraiture as a subject that was going to be central to the work that you wanted to do, or was portraiture simply uh, one element of a kind of larger um, examination of the larger world? Yes, I, I think it was an examination of the larger world. I think if I, if I hadn't found photography, I think the field I would have gone into would have been psychology. I mean, I studied philosophy for the same reasons that I was studying photography. It was a way of sort of thinking about basic, um, basic issues of what it means to be alive. I mean, it sounds pretentious, but really that was, that was essentially what drew me to both of those subjects. And, um, you know, asking, asking basic questions about how we find meaning in our lives and, um, the portrait allows me to spend time with one other person um, and to have a kind of intimate exchange that the rhythm of the regular world does not allow you. Um, and it, it's a way, like I said, it's a way for me to slow things down and to really consider what it means to be a human being living here on this earth, looking the way we do, aging, going through all of the life transitions that we go through from adolescence, puberty, middle age, illness, um, love, death, all of those things. I mean, it's a way that to, to study them slowly and collaboratively with other people. Can you talk a little bit about um, how you approach some type of uh, portrait project? Perhaps uh, sharing with us some of the uh, methods that you use in uh, preparing for uh, a photography shoot, um, the kind of interactions that you have with your subject, um, how you literally set the scene up. Well, usually I, I, I choose the people I photograph carefully. Um, it's not always rational. It's something that some, something about them, I'm drawn to something about them. Um, there's something poignant about them. And it may be that they're in, in, they illustrate one of these periods of life that I find compelling or interesting, like they're the peak of adolescence or the peak of puberty or... My, both of my parents died of cancer, and so they were clearly going through periods of transition, and that was very profound and significant. And so, though you know, they were in very much in, in involved in a, a stage of life. Um, so, I you know, I'll be drawn to 
to a specific subject, and then, of course, I have to ask permission to photograph them, and it's sort of a, a, an evolving relationship. And once someone has given me permission, usually we have a then deepening relationship where I get to return to make pictures over a period of time. I very, very rarely, except on editorial assignments, meet someone once. It, it really is a relationship. And in some of my pictures, now that I'm aging and have, I've done this for quite a long time, my, there are subjects that I've returned to over 20 years. So I have young girls who I photographed when they were adolescents who now have had children and are in their you know, late 20s. Or you know, one young girl I photographed um, when her mother was pregnant with her, now she is her that child has I've photographed through her her childhood and young adult life and now she's in her 20s and she's been a you know I've photographed her entire life essentially do you talk with your subject a lot about uh, what you are striving to achieve mm. in a particular picture um, to what extent, you know, do you kind of deliberately uh, kind of pre-visualize what you mm. want to do, or is it more intuitive? Mm. Intuitive. I I would say that I do pre-visualize it somewhat, um, but again, this goes back to the question about why I love photography. Uh, if if it was purely pre-visualized, um, then I could imagine, you know, I could imagine these being drawings or paintings or collage or something else. But part of what um, is so magical to me about the medium of photography is that I can never ultimately control the subject. And what they bring to the shoot or the event or the drama or the narrative is ultimately their own mystery. And that, in the end, is what makes the, the picture strong. Some of my least successful pictures are the pictures that have been so pre-visualized that I'm controlling all aspects of it. And my stronger pictures are the pictures where there is this collaboration between my initial fantasy um, sense of narrative and the collaboration with the innate mystery of the person who's posing for me. Um, so when I look at the pictures now, as much as I've made them, the strongest pictures I've, I I feel are, they're still a gift from the other person, so I can, I'm separate from them. I still see them as, as, as something that's been in part given to me by the subject. Let's turn to actually some of the specific photographs that are in the exhibition, Feature Photography, and perhaps start with this extraordinarily iconic photograph of Robert Indiana. Can you tell us the circumstances behind uh, the portrait, uh, how you got to know Indiana, and your uh, thoughts about the resulting portrait? Well, he. Th this is was a fortunate um, editorial assignment because he's the kind of person that I would be drawn to anyway. Um, there's nothing ordinary about the way Robert Indiana looks. He's really, really remarkable and lovely looking. And um, so I was on assignment for the New York Times Magazine to make a portrait um, of him. And they really didn't give me a lot of parameters. I mean, there were some sort of traditional studio shots with some of his paintings. Um, 
that I would say are, are pretty dull and straightforward, you know, editorial shots. And then they said just, and then make some more meaningful portraits of him. So um, really, again, that the strength of that portrait is, it is a collaboration between, I think, my appreciation of how he looks and presents himself um, and his, um, his own personality and what he's offering to me, which is um, a combination of, you know, a kind of uh, dignity and vulnerability simultaneously. I suspect that there are um, wonderful opportunities that editorial assignments provide uh, the access to uh, an artist like Robert Indiana, but I suspect that there are uh, challenges as well associated with uh, creating a image that will be used uh, in a magazine or in a mm. newspaper. Can you talk a little bit about mm. some of the challenges about working editorially? Mm. Well, I think I think the biggest challenge, two, two of the bigger challenges are, are dealing with other people's expectations. Um, and one, so you can deal with the expectations of the subject where they have an idea about how they want to be presented. Um, that can be very hard if their personality is is very large and clear and rigid in terms of how they want to be presented in the world, then there isn't a lot of room for this thing that I'm talking about, which is the sort of spontaneity or the the mystery of whatever happens through a collaboration. Um, so that can be very frustrating, and I think the pictures end up being exactly as you imagine them to be sort of formulaic and um, not very narrative or open. And then the other is if you have an editor who has the same kinds of expectations and rigidity of, of, of expectation. And um, either way, it, it's just a lack of openness. Um, but I haven't, I don't find that at the time. At, for example, at New York Times Magazine, I haven't found that at all. But those are some of the things when people are trying to control the image too much and aren't open, open to what may happen. Tell us about the uh, Inuit woman uh, who you photographed um, in a hospital room. Um, what was the uh, article uh, about that um, this photograph uh, supported? I was doing a piece on a doctor who was working um, in Rankin Inlet in Canada on Hudson Bay, and he was working for four months a year with the native population, the Inuit population there who were having higher incidence of diabetes. And he was coming from Vancouver um, and, and living in this incredibly remote area of Hudson Bay and working with them. And the piece was essentially on him. Um, but we took some photographs of, of him with uh, some of his, uh, you know, the, the patients that he was working with. And this beautiful woman happened to be there. She's not diabetic, but she had fallen. Um, and she sort of represented um, a, a lot of what that population has gone through. She was born on the sea ice and essentially what we think of as an igloo um, and now was living in much more modern you know conditions and um, and these uh, fabricated housing developments, um, but anyway, she was she was incredibly beautiful. Um, but they, we had, no one knew how old she was, but they estimated somewhere around a hundred. 
<coughs> feature photography uh, includes um, several images from a series that you did with um, young girls in the Portland, Maine area. Um, can you tell us how that collaboration uh, was established? It was a project that was designed by the city of Portland, and uh, again, they were sort of a wonderful um, organization in that they, they chose six photographers and said, choose a community that you're interested in. So it was very open-ended. And I had just come from Texas where I was photographing children outdoors playing, um, you know, kind of exploring some of the psychological narratives of children's games and children's play and backyards. And I was still really interested in childhood fantasy and play. Um, and I was living in this specific area, neighborhood in Portland, Maine called Munjoy Hill um, that was sort of geographically isolated because it was a hill and it overlooked this uh, beautiful um, bay. And I thought, I'd like to just photograph the children in this area on Munjoy Hill, um, and specifically adolescent girls. So that was my community, was the, ad the children of this, of this neighborhood. Um, and then again, it was, so the, that was the starting point, but then of course my own interests in, in childhood fantasy and uh, the way children enter a landscape and interact with animals and um, it's very different from the way adults do. So that was that was really the starting point. But then, of course, the other thing that's layered on top of that is children going through adolescence and moving into kind of early adulthood. And so there are these two narratives that going on at the same time. The one is their, you know, just development into to young adults, and the other is the way in which they intersect with the landscape and, and move around the landscape. Um, so, so, yeah, that's... How um, how did you arrive at um, the decision to introduce um, dead animals into some of the pictures? Uh, one of the more striking pictures uh, in the series is uh, of a young uh, teenage girl uh, holding a dead beaver. In another picture, uh, there's a woman holding uh, two two uh, stuffed birds. Um, how did you arrive at at that? Well, I think um, I think one of the wonderful things about being an artist is that, um, or at least I can only speak for myself, I feel very connected to that age, how I was at that age, and the kind of curiosity children have, and the kind of openness they have, that as we get older, we tend to restrict ourselves, and um, I just remember being a young girl, and being fascinated by animals, and exploring um, backyards and creek beds and, um, you know, forested areas and being really fascinated by animals. And I think, um, I think I was interested in that kind of, that kind of magical play where, where the animal still has fantasy potential for children. So, so anyway, that was an example of, of pre-visualizing in someone. I mean, I would find these animals, I would get taxidermied animals, and then we would go into the landscape, and I would let the children play with them and do whatever they wanted. And they were absolutely collaborative, obviously. <laughs> they're not, they're very comfortable holding the, holding the beaver. Um, and then, 
you know, that the children would animate the picture. I mean, it wasn't like I, I couldn't possibly control it completely. I mean, once I provided them with the raw material of the animal or the environment, they then took it and ran, and then I start to photograph them. The environment obviously is an important element in your work. How do you go about choosing uh, the place, the specific place uh, in which you're going to do your photography? And, and what do you feel is the relationship between uh, the place uh, and the, the portrait that you are creating? I think it's, an, it's a huge consideration. I feel like my pictures are absolutely environmental portraits. Um, the landscape, I look for the landscape as a stage set, that the, it has narrative potential in the same way that the subject has narrative potential. And then if any prop, like if you want to use that kind of basic word like the animal, the beaver, the moth, um, any other thing that I include, that has narrative potential. So I feel like I'm sort of collecting all of these potentials that I, I, I see um, and then the children or the subject actually animates the picture. It's a, I set the stage, and I, I think I try to create fertile ground for something. Um, and then the subjects of the pictures bring it to life. So I do feel that it is very collaborative. And I think that's true also with adults. I mean, I've photographed people that I don't know very well in motel rooms um, once, uh, a man and a woman who did not know each other in a motel room with their clothes off. And the energy of bringing those three things together, the environment, the motel room, the man and the woman, and their nudity, created a drama that I could not have controlled. It, it created itself. Um, um. What's the best thing about being an artist? Um, and what's perhaps the biggest misconception about being an artist? Uh, I, the best thing about being an artist is um, uh, how satisfying it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just, uh, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I really am a compulsive photographer. It is essentially the way I, I understand the world. So I can't imagine not doing it. And I feel incredibly blessed to, to have been able to construct a life that has allowed me to do it. So I, I feel enormously blessed. Um, it's, it's really an extension of who I am. Um, and it, I, I realized that recently when my mother was dying and um, the only thing that made sense to me was to pick up the camera obviously you know after I'd taken care of her and been with her and and felt like I'd provided her with the things that she needed but um the camera was completely comforting to me um and it's comforting to me now that she's gone that I have these photographs that that somehow over time will allow me to understand what happened and where she went and how it happened and um I'm not sure they're ever absolute answers. I don't think they are, but they are approximations, and they're comforting for that. 
But the biggest misconception is that it's easy. It's incredibly difficult. <laughs> it's incredibly difficult to construct a life that where that you can support yourself and do do this every day. It's hard. It's hard. It also never leaves you. You know, it's I mean that's a wonderful part of it, but it's a hard part of it. I mean it really is a kind of compulsion. Um for myself and for the people that I know who make art, it is a compulsion. It's a it's a a non-negotiable. Um, so that's a gift, and it's a it's it's also um, it's a challenge. Sometimes you carry it with you always. Uh, you teach uh, at uh, Princeton University. Um, what are the lessons that you are um, trying to instill? and young photographers. Um, you've obviously told us a great deal about um, what is important to you in photography, but what kind of advice um, are you constantly um, reasserting uh, uh, in their own careers? Well, I think, again, I love teaching photography because it's the coming together of, of, of the world and how the photographer feels about the world. I mean, very, very quickly, a student can begin to make meaningful photographs that comment on their perceptions of the world. It's very different from drawing. It's very different from painting. It's very different from sculpture. The entry-level skill is, is achieved pretty quickly. So my... Um, I think my the biggest contribution that I can give to my students is 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 be honest with yourself. I mean, be sincere. What do you want to talk about? You're given this incredible power so quickly. You have a camera and you've got the entire world at your disposal. What do you want to talk about? It it in every gesture with the camera, you're making a decision. What you point the camera at, how you frame that photograph. Um, you're commenting on the world. You're editing the world. And, and you're giving it to us as a, as a story, your story about the world. So I think photography is really a powerful, a powerful thing for students who, um, who have ideas and who are visual and um, want to say something.